0: Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash 24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP magazine. Thank you for joining us for this conversation.
1: This is Sean Martin, we're coming to you from RSA Conference 2023 in San Francisco. The, the buzz is upon us. The uh, the energy is back. And uh, everything is risk this year, which is interesting. I've, uh, I've seen and heard a lot of focus on risk products and conversations, and, which is really cool. Um, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about that and some drivers and look at it in the context of uh, compliance and security and the value of, of security to consumers, perhaps, and how they view it. Uh, and I'm going to do that with a good friend of mine, Michael Parisi. How are you, Michael?
0: Good. How are you, Sean? <laughs> Doing Great right. to see you.
1: I know it's been uh, it's been a while since we've been been able to do one of these kind of sit down chats. Uh, we've had many over the years. We have, yes. Uh, lots of conversations on fun things. Uh, for the folks who don't know who you are, uh, a little bit about you and and your journey. Where are you now? Sure. Um, well, I've been, you know, over 20 years
0: in the professional services space, and took a stint for about five years with a certification body called High Trust, and now I'm back in the professional services space uh, representing an organization uh, by the name of Shellman and uh, focused on helping organizations manage their cybersecurity posture and providing assurances over their cybersecurity
1: programs. And for those who might not understand what assurance of the yeah. cybersecurity program is, tell us about that.
0: Yeah, so uh, think about it as instilling stakeholder trust. Right. So what our organization does is we come in and we provide independent validations over other organizations' information security, cybersecurity, and compliance programs so they can use that to use with their stakeholders to ensure that they're doing everything that they're supposed to be doing.
1: Nice. nice. So one of the things we wanted to talk about, and it's funny, I had a conversation earlier around the, the, the topic of GRC. Yep. And I, I made the joke that C was a driver R is becoming more popular. Yep. But we forget we forget the G still. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. Right. That's and, for sure. And Yeah, we went backwards, right? We, did. we started from the back and then, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But I think for me that kind of points to a, one of the things you wanted to talk about is the, the commoditization of compliance. Right. And perhaps a trend that you're seeing that Frightens you a bit. So, talk to us a little bit about the the trajectory of compliance and its current state, and what you think it's going to lead to.
0: Sure. So, um, maybe I'll start out with you know a phrase that one of my um, longtime mentors used to use, which is compliance is an outcome, security is a mission. And unfortunately, I feel as if as a society we're now at the point where compliance is in fact an outcome because for many organizations it has been commoditized. When you think about where compliance was 15, 20 years ago and the true spirit and intent and the why compliance was there, that's not what it looks like today. So unfortunately it's become a checkbox exercise for many organizations. Um, My fear is that cybersecurity and security could lead in the same direction. Um, To give you some examples, Everyone's looking to leverage MSSPs today, right? Now, they have their place, for for sure, within the marketplace. However, your mess for less is not necessarily the (laughs) answer, right? And it's funny because I just had coffee with an MSSP where we were talking about your mess for less. And, you know, if you're looking to implement an appropriate stack or if you're looking for guidance relative to the stack of solutions and tools that can help you from a cybersecurity perspective, by all means... Those are the organizations that you want to work with, but very similar to moving to the cloud, if you think you're just going to outsource and get rid of the responsibility relative to cybersecurity, you're not. Um, In addition to that, if you look at other examples that are happening within the marketplace like cybersecurity underwriters, cybersecurity insurance underwriters, and insurers and carriers, they're treating it as a commodity as well. They're not really looking into what's the security posture within organizations. They're using information security questionnaires that are hundred questions long, that are self-attested to, that let's face it, can be pencil whipped, right? So are they really treating security and cybersecurity programs and security posture at the level that they should be treating it or is it quickly becoming commoditized? The other challenge, which you and I have talked about mm-hmm. in the past, is the fog of more. Yep. I mean, there's so many, look look on the floor here at RSA. I mean, you can't even navigate your way through all these different security solutions. So, if you think about CISOs and the role that, that you play and the knowledge that you have, how do you choose what's appropriate? Yep. Um, so, I fear that... There's a race to the bottom relative to pricing as it relates to these solutions, and more importantly, relative to assurances. I've got so many examples, (laughs) um, but I think we need to kind of reset and make sure that cybersecurity and security program posture does not lead in the direction of compliance, and really understand those partners that we're working with in order to help us improve our security posture and assurances, and it's still appropriate stakeholder trust.
1: So, this would happen if the market pushes that direction. Right. And it's not any one entity Correct. controlling that direction, it's mm-hmm. it's how everything is kind of mixing together. So, the, as you pointed out, MSSPs are a necessary element of this uh, uh, ecosystem. Right. 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 That there are organizations that can't staff can't buy the all the right tech right don't have the understanding from a leadership perspective to, right. even if they had the budget to do all that stuff correctly and then there are some that just say we can't take now they still have the responsibility but we can't own <laughs> right this whole process either right so there's a place for the MSSPs but to your point on the pricing or race to the bottom on pricing, uh, what does that look like? Because I'm, I'm just picturing a handful of MSSPs kind of selecting a collection of certain technologies and everything else gets left behind. Or what, what does that look like? How does that market kind of shape into that place where you think commodity is a, yeah. a, I, an end point?
0: I think there's really three driving factors to it. Um, so one is the stack, right? So what are they using? If we're talking about MSPs mm-hmm. specifically what are they using relative to a, a, a tool set, right? And are those providers, for lack of a better term, bottom feeding, right, relative right. to the solutions that they're providing? So that's going to be a
1: driver if there is a race to the bottom. Um, I mean, the, when you're talking platforms, I don't, I'm not interested in company names, yeah. but, but what platforms are you like? Whether it's endpoint security,
0: whether it's firewall management, patch management, et cetera. I mean, you you name it, whatever you would see within a a typical stack. Um, I think the, the other driver is going to be, when we think about the term managed services, are they truly managed, right? So the direction that I'm seeing a lot of MSSPs go is they're pushing more and more back on the customer and the entity relative to management. Think about the concept of shared responsibilities that we've seen in the cloud space for years. When cloud started, it was, well, we could put everything in the cloud, and even the CSPs, they were sitting there saying, well, we can do all of this, but very quickly they learned well, wait a minute there's a dependency on the tenant on the customer relative to some of those controls and aspects of cybersecurity. so you've seen that come down as it relates to what they're willing to take on from a responsibility standpoint the managed service providers have not yet
1: identified that yet right are they, I think, are they morphing into guidance security service providers? well so GSSPs. i think
0: i think that's what differentiates a lot of them um, is are they providing guidance and direction or are they truly making management decisions? Because the organizations that you were speaking about before that really need MSSPs the most, they need somebody to make management decisions for them. Right? They're not in a position to decide out of these 10,000 security providers, who, who do I use? What am I supposed to be doing um, so I think the morphing into guidance and direction, if that even exists, because for a lot of them that doesn't even exist anymore, um, that is also contributing to the, the, the race to the bottom, cool. if you will. And then the third element is lack of stakeholders questioning um, who their vendors are using for vendors. Right. So if you think about from an SSP perspective, if I am a stakeholder, Don't I want to know who you are using as your MSSP? Stakeholders aren't asking those questions. They just want to know, do you have appropriate cybersecurity programs in place? The same thing holds true for organizations like ours that provide assurances over information security programs. Are you asking the question relative to who's providing those assurances? If you see an opinion on a SOC 2 report, for example, do you know the nature of that firm that provided that opinion? Probably not, right? Um so I think a big piece of this is also the responsibility of the stakeholder that is instilling trust within those vendors to be better educated and understand who are those vendors using as vendors.
1: And so not so many places ways to go with this. I'm I'm just Yeah. Trust can be blind or you, you can have informed trust. Yes, right? I love that. Which you can demonstrate certain things took place or certain programs are in place or certain controls are in place, whatever it is. And you can also tell the story and tie it back to the business. Right. And I feel that it, not this starts starting and selling a slam on MSSPs and it's not. No, but, not at all. But I think if, if the company you're relying on to help you manage your security... Mm-hmm. doesn't know your business Yes. Um, then they need to be able to extract that information out, do their thing and demonstrate back to you that they get it right, Right. that's right and here's a plug for MSSB if they do that enough for a lot of companies like yours yes. they then have the benefit of more knowledge or right. more systems and more things that potentially could help you that's right but if they can't demonstrate it, then that doesn't matter. That's right, exactly. <laughs> so talking about the, the demonstrability and the understanding of the business and and what how that plays into what you're what you're viewing.
0: Yeah. So I think to your point that that's critical and that's really what adds value relative to these different service providers that are in the marketplace. Um, and it goes back to where we started the conversation around commoditization and treating things as if it's a checkbox exercise. If you have a service provider that comes in and says. I'll take it over for you so you don't need to worry about it. That's one thing. As opposed to, I'm going to be a business partner because I understand your business. I understand your risks, back to where you started the conversation. Yep. Um, and I know how to help you and advise you appropriately. That's what organizations should really be looking for. Um, the demonstration, it's funny. Well, Let's use vendor risk management as an example. I always like to use AKA that AKA third-party Exactly. Third-party risk yeah. management, right? So if you look at all the third-party risk management providers that exist within the marketplace today, I won't name names, there's a lot of them, right? Whether it's security ratings organizations, Mm -hmm. whether it's those that claim to be managed services relative to third-party risk management. However, most of them are only platforms in tech. That's it. They're not providing you guidance relative to what's a methodology that I should be following from a third-party risk management perspective. Do I understand the inherent risk associated with this relationship? And the reason why, I think back to your point, is they try to be industry agnostic, but they don't necessarily understand what's occurring within that industry and within those organizations to advise them appropriately. So they think that tech and automation solves all the problems. Here's a platform to manage your third parties. However, a one-size-fits-all approach relative to tech, relative to MSSPs, whoever we're talking about, doesn't make sense because it doesn't take risk into the equation. So to your point, when we talk about governance, risk, and compliance, um, is that not a direction of taking risk management and potentially commoditizing it? And then what's next? Governance, does Mm -hmm. governance become a commoditized activity, right? Mm -hmm. So where, where, where do you draw the line? Um, my view is, again, <clears throat> compliance is an outcome. Security is a mission. And if you think about the aspects of governance and risk, if you don't make those missions, then we really run the risk of those becoming commoditized, and then we're all fooling ourselves at the end yeah. of the day.
1: So I'm thinking, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong here, yeah. but are the stakeholders... The entity that can save us. I'm, mean, and I ask that in 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 hope that the answer is yes, but then I look at insurers as a stakeholder, and <laughs> right. then the answer is probably not. <laughs> but so, so, who are the stakeholders, and, and do they have a role to kind of help us from this free fall? Yeah,
0: I I, I love that. Um, so I'll answer that as a yes with the following caveats. Um, the stakeholders is is the answer, right? That I, I think that is the answer uh, to to solve for this issue. However, those stakeholders need to care, and a lot of the stakeholders that we're dealing with today don't care. Huh. So then that begs the question: Why don't they care? Is it because they're treating it as commoditized activity, or and this is what I truly believe I'm getting to the punchline. Or is it because they're uneducated um, or they're ignorant, mm-hmm. right? And that's not to talk negative against any of our stakeholders. Yeah, it's
1: but un- unaware there are other pressing things unaware. That, right. exactly. that are top of mind, exactly. right, rightfully
0: so. So let's let's take this conference as an example. How many CFOs are at this conference? I don't know, but I can guarantee <laughs> you very few, right? Yep. How many board I've members? I've not met any. <laughs> right. How many board members are at this conference? How many business people are at this conference? So we've been so focused on the CISO and the information security community for so long. They get it. Those aren't the folks that need the education. And frankly, they're not necessarily the ones that are controlling the purse and the dollars that need to be spent in order to implement good cybersecurity programs. We need to educate boards. We need to educate businesses and we need to educate business owners and other senior members within those businesses um, in order to have more stakeholders that have stake in the game yeah. um, so i believe it comes back to education yeah
1: and one of the things we we talked about because it as a i guess you can consider them a stakeholder the customer yep right mm-hmm. and uh before we before we started recording you, you touched on consumers yes specifically as a customer that's yes. b2c less less b2b and he said would would somebody buy from one retail chain versus another based on their maturity of their security program and you said maybe and i'm like i don't know if i would i don't yeah i don't care yeah necessarily unless i'm deeper involved if it's just to buy a product Mm-hmm. That's one thing. But if I have a credit card from them, it becomes a little more entangled. Right. If I'm an investor in them, it becomes even more entangled. Right. Um, but I guess for me, it doesn't matter until it hits me in the pocket. Because, yes. Right? Yeah, and I this agree. This is the point. So how do, how do you see the customer? And it can mm-hmm. be a consumer or B2B or B2, B2G or whatever it is. Yeah. How do you see the customer playing a role Yeah.
0: in that? It's a great question. I think um, with the passage of time and a number of the adverse events that we've seen, uh, consumers have naturally become more aware of concepts of breaches. Somebody stole my data. Somebody stole my identity, right? So my grandmother, God bless her soul, 97 years old, still alive. She knows what it means when there's a breach, right? She would have never known that years ago. right? So I use her as an example because the average consumer at least understands the concept of risk. However, I don't think they're informed enough relative to the decisions that they can make as to what service providers, retailers, grocery stores, health insurance providers that they work with, banks, etc., Because those institutions haven't necessarily put their foot forward to educate the consumers on how they're differentiating themselves relative to their competitors. So I think there's a huge opportunity in the marketplace for these different types of organizations to differentiate themselves as it relates to protecting personal information better
1: than others. And... Funny enough, we we kind of circle back around to well, that's compliance, right, right, right. Funny enough, right? <laughs> GDPR <laughs> and CCPA, privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to think here on the fly, but I think the many conversations I've had this week, we we still tend to, and I, I bring it back to the joke: C drives everything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. You you might be mature and look at risk, but in the C drives everything. It's still all about privacy. Mm-hmm. Now there's some SEC stuff notification yeah. that, that talks about the, the breach and the impact and and the risk, right. And and, exp- and sharing that risk knowledge with others. But still, it's mostly privacy. And there, there's so much more to to this game, right? Intellectual, oh, there is intellectual property and integrity of data with misinformation. And you, I mean, we can spend an hour, two hours talking about that path, but. How do we get out of the? We're deep into the commoditized mm-hmm. <laughs> compliance world. Yeah, and we're, our eyes off the the risk world and the right. security world.
0: So, I think part of the problem is <clears throat> the authoritative sources that we're dealing with when we think about the requirements. Um, you know, the legislation, whatever it may be, it's so generalized and it's not prescriptive. So, as a result and sometimes by design, right. right, it leads itself to interpretation. So as a result, you have a varying scale relative to how organizations are meeting compliance or these different standards. And if you have a choice, are you going to choose the high watermark or the low watermark? I mean, you're going to choose the low watermark if it helps you to meet the standard as it relates to compliance and the consumers know I'm HIPAA compliant or whatever it may be. Uh, so what's the incentive to reach the high water mark and I believe if that becomes a differentiator from an organizational perspective goes back to education then there is an incentive to reach the high water mark however to your point the average consumer doesn't understand the difference between privacy and security right right I mean they just mash them together they think it's the same thing
1: and we, we I'm just the I'm HIPAA compliant, right? right? I can't tell you how many times where that was misused for the wrong reasons in the wrong way. Or I'm HIPAA they, certified, right? Right. right. Well, they even they have the certified. I'm thinking, but I'm thinking from a computer uh, consumer perspective, sure, right? absolutely. I can't share you share with you that information, right? I'm not, no, it's my my data, <laughs> right?
0: Exactly, it's your data, <laughs> Yeah. and more importantly, if an organization says, and I know we're talking about HIPAA, but yeah, take yeah. whatever you want. Yeah i um, GDPR compliant, whatever, but we'll, we'll stay on the HIPAA track. If they say they're HIPAA compliant, what are you doing as a consumer to validate that right. and verify that? I can't tell you how many organizations we came across in, in, in my old role that would say they were, quote, unquote, certified in something um, when they weren't. Right? I mean, that happens every day. I mean, let's not get into the FTX <laughs> conversation, but... You know, we could see a number of things that have happened. Um, so as consumers, you know, I think we really need to dig our heels in and start asking those questions and make sure we have appropriate assurances relative to these organizations protecting our information. And that should be a factor into our
1: decision as it relates to who we work with. Yeah. So... I'm not going to go into the conversation we had, uh, yesterday. Right, right. Um, but I want to go to this point that's still in my mind. Yeah. Of why are we, why are we doing this in the first place? Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about HIPAA, yeah, yes, it's to protect the private information of that person. Right. Right. So that PHI we're trying to secure and, and protect from misuse, access, mis access and misuse. Um, Ultimately, though, it's about ensuring that that data is accessed and available and it has integrity for the people who need it That's right. to provide the care for that patient. That's right. right. So you change the players, change the story, but th- there's always something way more than the data and the control. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So,
0: I mean, I love, um, I love the concept of in- integrity, hmm. to your point. Um, because I think as a lot of consumers, we're focused on, well, is our data safe? And I go back to stolen identities and stolen credit cards. Come on, who hasn't had a credit card stolen in today's day and age, right? I mean, that, that happens so, so many times. But when, when you think about you know, why, to your point, data needs to be protected and we need to have assurances over protecting personal information more broadly, but we'll zoom into healthcare for a second. The integrity of that data is critical to ensure the appropriate care is delivered. Yes, of course, we don't want our data stolen because we don't want somebody to know about a potential healthcare condition that I have. So then I'm going to be marketed to, oh, it looks like you're a diabetic, come buy this product, et cetera, whatever it may be. Um, or you know potential terror threats like I I get that but at the end of the day the integrity of that data is critical Um, so certain functions can happen completely and accurately whether that's care delivery whether it's on the financial services side of the house Um, and I think a lot of consumers lose sight of that
1: and for me I may maybe a little foggy or cobwebby in my head but is HIPAA and high-tech right and Together, they say, protect Correct. and ensure enable. Correct. ensure <laughs> and enable. That's right. Insure and, exactly. and enable service?
0: Well, I mean, look at interoperability, right? I mean, that's what they're trying to do with, with TEFCA and yeah, everything yeah. in the interoperability space. Um, and you and I have talked about that in, in the past. Um, you know, it's all about ensuring the integrity of that data so that care can be delivered universally yep. across our care delivery network.
1: Ah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I feel we can spend hours. I just got the nod from yeah. uh, the crew here at RSA saying we we've hit our mark. <laughs> so time I'm, to go. I'm gonna we can spend hours on this. I think, um, but I'm gonna leave it there. And we're gonna let people ruminate on this I think, yeah. a bit. What 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 does that race to the bottom look like? That's right. And what's their role? Maybe, some people may want the race to the bottom. <laughs> they may. But uh, what's the role? And and what's their role? And what can they do in that role to ensure that society doesn't get uh, negatively impacted here? That's right.
0: So. Let's be better informed consumers, right. and let's be better stakeholders yeah. in the equation.
1: Yeah, and in true RSA conference theme, stronger together. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Well, Michael, it's been uh, it's been great as always. Uh, super insightful and engaging chat. And for those listening, well. We'll put links to your profile, and, and uh, they can connect with you and have their own conversation.
0: Sounds great. About the race Look to the bottom
1: to or the, the, the climb and uh ascent to the top. Maybe. That's right. And maybe that's a better, better path. Sounds great. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks,
0: Sean. If you enjoyed this podcast, share ITSP Magazine with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thank you for listening. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity
1: community at com forward slash ITSP 24